You're listening to On the Brink, a podcast that brings you up-and-coming country music artists. We especially prohibit the reproduction of any parts of the podcast without our written consent. Please send your request via onthebrinkpodcast.com, where you can also sign up for updates. Please also support our sister site, stonecoldcountry.net. We sincerely thank you for listening and congratulate you on your expanding music library. Hey y'all, Santa here. I'd like to thank Recruiting Awesome for sponsoring this On The Brink podcast episode. If you're an organization that is looking to hire new employees, I would absolutely recommend that you go to recruitingawesome.net and find out more about this stellar organization. They have over 15 years of experience in the talent acquisition and HR consulting space. They are absolutely able to put your organization on the right expansion plan. If this sounds appealing to you, then why not just give them a call right now? That phone number is 1-800-748-0518. Once again, that number is 1-800-748-0518. Or you can visit them at recruitingawesome.net. They take the worry out of recruiting. And don't forget to tell them that you heard the good news from Santa. Welcome to this July 2021st edition of Stone Cold Country's On The Brink Podcast. As we often have stated, we like to keep our ears close to the ground when it comes to traditional forms of country music. In this edition of the podcast, we were honored to connect with Marlon Rose, Tim Rayburn. The band is a joint project between Tim and Daniel Grindstaff. East Tennessee Go Bucks Daniel is an accomplished musician who made his Grand Ole Opry debut with Jim and Jesse when he was just 18 years old. He also played with Marty Raybon's bluegrass band, thus beginning a lifelong friendship with Tim. Tim, along with his brother, the founder of the Grammy Award-winning band Shenandoah, found success together as the Raybon Brothers, earning a gold single with Butterfly Kisses, which also earned a CMA nomination. When you put all this talent together, what do you get? A perfect blend of Merle Haggard emotive song stylings and the meticulous virtuoso level playing of Bill Monroe. The product is Merle Monroe, a band that marries old school country with bluegrass with a fresh spin that is perfectly nestled in Americana as it is in country, folk, and bluegrass. With a couple of number ones already under their belt, a collaboration with Mo Pitney, and a nod from the International Bluegrass Music Awards, the future certainly looks very bright for Merle Monroe. Anna Marie, my co-host and admin at Stone Cold Country, and I had the opportunity to sit down and chat with the force majeure vocalist of Roman Monroe, Tim Rayvon. Here are the results of that conversation. Very excited to talk to you today. Um, you know, we've been spinning a couple of deep cuts from your latest uh, project and really like the concept of just kind of uniting traditional country with bluegrass. Uh, and and some would say that it's one in the same, but <laughs> you know, bluegrass is a traditional form of country music. But you know, um, 
again, definitely um, happy to hear that, you know, there are fine folks like yourself, you know, putting out this kind of music, especially for the generation that's out now that probably mm -hmm. has no previous knowledge whatsoever. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> sometimes. So uh, with that being said, um, I, I thought that the uh, idea of the band, you know, the name Merle Monroe was just such a unique name and really an attention grabber. I wanted to get some background information on how that came about. Well, uh, I met uh, Daniel, my partner uh, in the group. Um, he played banjo with Marty, uh, my brother Marty, who is from the group Shenandoah, but then also has his, has a bluegrass band. Much like I've never heard of them before, ever. Oh, the, 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 the Shenandoahs. I think they're from. I think they're from Vermont. I think. I'm yeah, me sure. too. I heard Maine. <laughs> yeah, Bangor, Maine, no, no doubt. Anyway, uh, but he was playing banjo with Marty's bluegrass band, and I met him back in uh, in the probably two thousand eight or two thousand nine time frame. Marty's bass player had gotten married, and he had. Uh, was on his honeymoon during the IBMA award show. And Marty called me about filling in for him uh, for that show. And I did. And that's where I met Daniel. And from that time forward, we, we started out being friends and, and remained friends uh, uh, for a very long time. Anyway, um, he or I, uh, after he left Marty in, uh, back in probably 2012, I guess, he decided to come off the road and uh, he started his family. And we had never really talked about, you know, being in another band. I had been in bands all my life, uh, much of my life. Marty and I started out playing bluegrass with our dad back uh, in Florida. That's where we're originally from. And um, so back when I was 11 years old, I was playing professionally when I was 11. So it's been a, a long time. Anyway, so Daniel and I never had really any intentions of being in another band. However, what we would talk about is if we if we decided to do something like that, what would it be? What what would it be? Uh, what would it sound like? What would the concept be? Because there are a lot of great traditional uh, bluegrass bands, you know, out there today. And the last thing that we thought the bluegrass market needed was another traditional bluegrass band. So we did, we really didn't want to do that. And yet we were not uh, a, a big country um, band. And that, of course, that can get very, very expensive uh, to have a, a large country band to put on the road. and Nobody's heard of you without any kind of chart success. So but what we tried to do is, is take the um, the music of Merle Haggard. And that's not just exclusively Merle Haggard, but just the country side of Merle Haggard. And then the bluegrass side of Bill Monroe. Iconic music legends, if you will, and join their music together and try to create a sound that would be what we call America's music. And that's for all ourselves because we don't do a lot of bluegrass festivals. Fair, in which has about 300,000 people. We'll do uh, the Bristol Museum uh, quite a bit, which is a musician for country, uh, museum for country music. And, and we'll do other venues like that. Now, we do do some bluegrass festivals, but not a lot. That's not really where our gravy is, if you will. And so for that, I did. I, I wrote quite a bit of music on our first project and then on our, our, our new project. I wrote quite a bit. And out of the three songs that have, that we have singled out, I wrote all three of them. 
uh, and they were all number one for consecutive weeks. So it, it's been a very successful project. But again, just join those two musical icons together and tr try to create a hybrid of music that would emulate countryside of who we are and also the bluegrass side of who we are. That's great. That's fantastic. Yeah, you can really see that in your music. Oh yeah, you, you know it's great. It's yeah, and like you. I and like we were sharing before, you know, with with us, there's two generations here, right? So, <laughs> so you know, and we're digging mm -hmm. your music. So you know that says a lot, and our audience as oh, well. Right. Thank you. Yeah, and I, it sounds like that's exactly what you wanted to do. You wanted to kind of bring those two forms of music, and you know, kind of make that aware to the other generations that are out right now. Yeah. You know, uh, which I, I like all forms of country music, the older country. I like the nineties country. I like all of it. I think music has whatever it may be. It has to continually evolve. It has to, they may not like the evolution of wh where it's going, but it has to do that. It just has to. Well, with what we do, uh, you can reinvent music. It's easier to probably reinvent bluegrass than it is probably any other music uh, because there's a lot more you can add to it. Typically in bluegrass, you have a fiddle, a banjo, a bass, and a guitar and a mandolin. That's pretty much it. However, you can also add drums to it. You can also add a, a dobro to it, which is or a steel guitar to it. You can add a piano to it for a certain kind of song. Uh, you can add a lot of different things to it and change it. And, and evolve it into something maybe not traditional, but something that's going to be more Americana. And we, we've done very well in that market as well. Um, so, but, but it's, 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 a, it's, although it may be more traditional sounding to a lot of people, but it is fresh and new. It's just a new sound of what we call America's music. Yeah, we definitely hear that. And that's amazing. And I'm, you know, really happy to hear you say that uh, music does need to expand and it needs to move forward. Mm -hmm. And there are different ways of doing that. And mm -hmm. you had, you know, uh, pointed towards Americana, which we know a lot of just really great music is classified as Americana. Mm -hmm. There's really not a sound. Yeah, Americana <laughs> has is so many right. artists with so many Quality. different influences. Yeah. And, you know, the, the Americana side, it, it, it can be a little eccentric at times, but you know what? It's real. That, that's it's the thing. Real. It's real, typically. Yeah. And I that's what that. I appreciate about it. Um, you know, not every song you're going to like, but not every song in bluegrass I like, not every song in country I like, not every song in you know rock I like, but uh, Americana just has a real a root, a grass-oriented realness to it that I think a lot of people are searching for. Uh, and so for that, um, I think it's great. Yeah, it's not formulaic, for sure. Right, yeah, right. Yeah. In all honesty, we see a lot of that realness in your music as well, and the music in Roman Monroe. Yeah, well, thank you. Well, I think that comes from probably writing a lot. You know, uh, again, we, we felt that we had to write to create our own sound. Um, it's easy to do a cover song. That's easy to do, uh, you know, but it's already been done. You know, I heard David Frizzell talking one time back when he was a, a small kid learning how to play guitar, and he lived with Lefty for a little while. Mm -hmm. And David uh, said he uh, Lefty was outside, and he walked in, and David was singing one of Lefty's songs. Mm -hmm. And Lefty told David, said, David, he says, son, there's already a Lefty Frizzell. <laughs> you need to create a David for sale now. So it's, again, it's easy to sing a cover song, 
but you'll never have any identity until you write your own music. Mm-hmm. Yes. You have to live and die by it, but you have to write it. Right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Speaking of your own music, tell us about your last single, where you recorded it, the producer, the musicians, if they work yeah. with the artists uh-huh. right now, et cetera. Well, we're very excited about it. It's Goodbye, Marie, which was written by the great Dennis Lindy and Mel McDaniel, by the way. Oh, Uh, awesome. Yeah, which is kind of cool. And and the great, the neat thing about that is Dennis Lindy didn't write with many people. Matter of fact, he didn't hardly write with anybody. He uh, he wrote because he was pretty centric. He was very, very, he was in his own dimension. Not to say (laughs) that he was yeah, yeah, not to say that he was odd, but he was like Roger Miller. You know, Roger Miller wouldn't write with oh, anything. Yeah, very unique. Mm. And, and, and Roger, you know, I mean, who who can come up with a with a songwriting s- session and say, "Hey, listen, why don't we write a song called Dang Me?" Dang Me, I, mean, I love that song. <laughs> I mean, who, who's going to come up with something like that? But so, a funny story about Roger Miller. He he, he was at a party one time. Around a, a probably probably back in the fifties, I would imagine. Bunch of songwriters were around. Probably Harlan Howard was probably there. Chet Atkins was probably there. Uh, some other writers. And he, he was asked by another writer. Says, uh, he says, Roger, I would like to sit down and, and pen a song with you. And Roger Miller, being <laughs> the wise guy that he was, but funny, says, well, let me ask you something. He said, uh, you think Picasso ever handed his brush to somebody? So... Roger didn't like to write with anybody. He just didn't think that was a good idea. Oh, no. he, uh, he liked to write on his own. He said, I'm, I'm not going to let you have part and parcel of my uh, of my wit and my genius. So so he just went right with, with uh, many people. The only song I remember that he wrote with anybody, that was George Jones, and that was Tall, Tall Trees. Now, I may be mistaken, but I think that's the only song that I remember that Roger Miller wrote with someone. Wow. Anyway, but Dennis Lindy wrote this song, Goodbye Marie, that we have with Mel McDaniel. And it, it has opened up a lot of doors for us. It, it's a song that I, after I heard it, I remembered it, but I forgot all about it. And I kind of stumbled across it because, you know, we're always looking for songs. I'm always looking for songs uh, for the next project and maybe the project after that. And, and I was just going through his discography and I saw all these songs that he wrote for Elvis. Uh, I mean, pop songs. Wow. Then all the 90s country, the Bubba Shot, the Jukebox, du- John wow. Green, Colin Baton Rouge, um, uh, Jenny Baker's Love Slave, uh, wow. Under the Cove for Shenandoah. Um, wrote a lot of great songs. Anyway, but I saw a co-writer on there, Mel, Mel McDaniel. I thought, well, that is odd because I know Dennis didn't write with many people. So I looked up the song and and just loved it. I remembered it. I remember that Bobby Goldsboro actually had the first hit on it. Anyway, I I heard it, loved it, just fell back in love with it again. And I sent it to to Daniel and I said, you got to hear this. I think we need to cut this. And it's probably one of the last songs that we cut on the project. Wow, that's great. Yeah, but it's opened up a lot of doors for us because it's it's a bit of a chance for us um, singing something – in that lifestyle, um, being a Tijuana, you know, the, you know, the, the whole drinking thing and busted up sordid love affair they have. And it's kind of different for us, but we, we thought we would like to take the gamble and do it. And so far it's paid off pretty well for us. Well, let's go ahead and hear your latest single. Awesome. All right. 
thinking, wondering how I'll make it through the day. Wild, and crazy, burned out for thinking, wondering how the world I'm gonna save. Goodbye, Marie. Oh, goodbye, Marie. Out the window, there's a lonesome highway calling me. It was fun to be, but I gotta run, Marie. If I can't keep your love, at least I'll have your memory. Goodbye, Marie. Waking up beside you on a Tijuana morning with the ocean breeze to keep us cool. I need all the courage I can find This time tomorrow I'll be back in Houston Thinking about the girl I left behind So goodbye Marie Oh goodbye Marie Out the window there's a lonesome highway calling me It was fun to me But I gotta run Marie If I can't keep your love at least I'll have your memory mentioned the song um, that he wrote, uh, Calling Baton Rouge, and that really was my introduction to, I guess, what's considered new grass now. I'm, I'm not sure, because I remember it was new grass revival, Sam right, yes. And that was my introduction. I just absolutely just went crazy when I heard that. So mm -hmm. I thought it was just so good. Um, and I don't know. Um, I didn't know that that was one of the writers. I, I didn't know he was one of the writers at all. Yeah, he, he he only wrote, he's a single writer on it. And, wow. uh, and Garth Brooks, when Garth Brooks heard Newgrass Revival do it, he says, I'm, I'm going to cut the same exact way. And even um, John Cowan is singing harmony with Gar Garth Brooks's cut of Call of Baton Rouge. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's yeah. just amazing. I, I still love that song. It's just mm -hmm. one of those Great songs, song. you know, it's, yeah, so iconic, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I, I guess, you know, um, one of the things that comes up a lot, um, especially when we interview uh, some of the artists that we play, because this whole thing with our podcast and the website and then the radio show, actually, mm -hmm. is um, we try to uh, bring what we call, you know, new traditional country music. And I'll kind of preface by stating that what we mean by that is we like to bridge the old with the new. And so if you go onto our site and if you ever hear the show, um, you're going to, and in our uh, social media feeds, 
a lot of traditional country, you know, that we mm -hmm. promote a lot of like the old style or old school uh, mm -hmm. traditional country music. But we know that there's still a lot of great music out there, like the music you're putting out, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, but um, <laughs> I'll say this and, and I'm laughing while I say this. A lot of our core, like our core audience, um, they tend to feel that there's not any good music that came after like yeah. 1970-something. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and that's why we, you know, put together the show. First, you know, we have the radio show and then the podcast to follow, just basically a deeper dive, um, you know, in terms of the artists that we play so that, you know, our core knows, yeah, there's a lot of great music. And now, you know, every time we uh, introduce someone they've never heard of, they're like, oh, my gosh, why haven't I heard this band before? Why mm -hmm. didn't I ever hear this song? And it's because, you know, we're bringing this to them that there's still some really amazing music. You're just not hearing it on mainstream radio. That's all. Right. Yeah. Not really. But that's interesting because I wrote a song called 1959. And I think to your point that people that they get stuck about 1975, they get stuck. Yeah. And you know what? I think the bigger part of that is I'll just give you my opinion, just I'm subjective at best, but <laughs> I think people get stuck. The reason I wrote that song 1959, because I think we get stuck in a time frame that I, I think we all wish we can go back to. And it's really a lifestyle that we had where things were simpler. Um, songs were not that complicated like they are now, like, like they are today. And I think a lot of times we get stuck in, the, in that time frame of just simple, it's simple, just things were simple. Th things were not like they are now. And I would love to go back. I, I don't want to move forward to complicate things. I've talked to so many people that say, oh, yeah. I don't listen to anything past 1993 for country goes. I said that's mostly our audience. Yeah. And that's yeah. one of the reasons why we put together the show on the podcast. Mm -hmm. you know? And of course they but, come you know, around after they hear the great music. Yeah. And I can appreciate that. I do. And I think that, you know, like to your point, you have to give new music a chance. Just give us a chance. We may not like it. And that's, that's okay. But just give us a chance. Cause you know, we like that time era too. But you got to refresh in it. You have to let it breathe. You have to uh, let it uh, kind of introduce itself again. And so, again, that's that's been one major factor for us because people think, well, you know, I haven't heard I'd be a legend in my time since Ronnie Millsap cut it 50 wow. years ago. Wow. Um, you know, they don't remember Don Gibson wrote it and sang it and had a hit on it back in the 60s. They, wow. they don't even remember that. Um, yeah, that's our audience. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, yeah. uh, it, <laughs> but again, once you introduce the music to them, then, you know, they kind of are taken aback like, Oh, wow. When, when was this recorded? Um, six months ago, yeah. <laughs> a year ago. <laughs> yeah. We change. had a single out. We have an, another single out, uh, with Mo Pitney. Oh yeah, and, um, and it's called Suzanne. It's actually it's just, it is doing incredible right now. Matter of fact, we're up for uh, collaboration of the year at IBMA. And, and if, if I have my 
hankerings about is I think we'll probably I think we have a good chance at a Grammy nomination there too. I, I don't want to speak out of turn, but I think we probably have a good uh, chance for a Grammy nomination. However, but Mo Pitney would be in that vein of more traditional singer that that people just absolutely love. Uh, you know, doing Bar Old Angel, doing uh, oh, all the old Hanger stuff, Mel Street stuff, Jones mm -hmm. stuff. Just and, and he's only twenty. I think I think most 24, 25 years old. Anna Marie, what did you want to ask? I want to ask who are your musical heroes and why? Well, Merle Haggard is probably my, my greatest. Uh, it, I mean, that's like asking who your favorite kid is. Uh, <laughs> but, and I can do that. Uh, no, I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> but no, Merle Haggard probably is, to me, the greatest of all. Because now I'm thinking about when I grew up, in my influence. Now, if you went back and asked my dad, my dad may tell you Hank Williams. I get it. I, I understand. But to me, the, the man that to me uh, revolutionized country music, I think would be Merle Haggard because of his, the songs that he wrote early in his, in his earlier career. And I think the influence that he had on other artists you know, ever since I can ever remember, most people would tell you, well, who was your, who was your influence? Most people would tell you Merle Haggard. I don't think I've ever heard anybody ever say, well, it was Hank Williams or, or even um, Hank Snow or Lefty Frizzell, although they did influence people. They did. But who is the guy that probably influenced you the most? And I think most of the time you're going to get either George Jones or Merle Haggard. But for me, it was Merle Haggard. But I love Vern Gostin. I mean, I love Mel Street. I love, uh, I mean, I, I, Don Gibson is one of my favorites. Don Gibson, of course, Roger Miller. There, there are just so many, but if I had to pick one, it, it would be Merle Haggard. Oh, we're, we're in the same church, in the same pew. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah, we love Merle Haggard as yeah. well. And George Jones, Vern Gosden. I, mm -hmm. My all-time favorite is Lefty Frizzell. I mean, he mm -hmm. was on, you know, before I even came into the world, but right. I grew up listening to his music. And I, I just, just as a stylist, I just yeah. thought that his uh, vocal stylings were just unparalleled. You know, Merle Haggard would tell you that Lefty Frizzell was his greatest influence. Yeah. So you'll hear, matter of fact, I heard uh, Merle talking about in, a, in an interview, they said, well, Merle, if, you, if, you, if you're stuck in the studio, even a song you, you've written and you're trying to arrange it, you know, how, how does that all come about? It's, and Merle Haggard said this, and I, I quote, he says, I always try to think what would Lefty do? If I think this is how Lefty would sing it, that's how I sing it. So that's the, that's the kind of influence that Lefty Brazil had on Merle Haggard, which was incredible. Yeah, it was significant. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And so I would love to play one of my favorite songs from Songs of a Simple Life, if you would not mind. Is that okay? Sure. Absolutely. Thank you. Okay. Well, one of my favorite, and again, it's very hard to choose. <laughs> All the songs are great. Um, even the covers are just exceptional. Um, but I will have to say that Harlan Darlin is one of my favorite songs on here and I've been just playing it, you know, almost every day. So oh. I hope you don't mind if I play it today. No, not at all. It's great. Okay. Thank you. Okay, great.
29 days That's what the judge had to say In the pen With a 10 by 10 Cold beans and bread every day Marks on the wall 364 Counting the hours Behind a jailhouse door Across the line shared with us I mean it you know does come through in your music um, but I'm wondering if you had to introduce someone to traditional country music is there a particular song that comes to mind I know that's not a fair question so mm. I know because it's almost impossible but um, is there like the one song that you feel is the epitome of what country music is you know or traditional country really yeah I, I think mama's hungry eyes is is that to me is so full of emotion and knowing again knowing kind of Merle's background and how much he loved his mother um and the, or or mama tried for example would be another one but probably mama's hungry eyes would be one that i think it, it draws so much emotion uh the just the struggle that probably many of us go through or have gone through and, and to see your mother struggle um, relationship wise or financially, I think that song just engulfs all the emotion of wanting to help your mother and just, just seeing the pain in her eyes and then seeing the optimism turn to pessimism and just, but then there's, there's somewhere there's hope somewhere in that song. There's some hope somewhere. And uh, so to me, that that's that's the song that I would introduce to somebody. Right. Um, 
Yeah, that song is very powerful. Mm-hmm. You know, absolutely. And especially if you've read any of the biographies on Merle Haggard, you'll know exactly all the things he went through when he was growing up. You know, when we do that live, because we, we had that actually on the first project, and we, and when we do that song live, we were, we were in uh, Play City, Kentucky. Um, well, it would have been before COVID hit. So this would have been in 2019, November 2019. And I had a couple come up to me um, from West Virginia. And they said, I want you to know, I haven't heard that song in probably 20 years, uh, but that's probably my favorite song. And it, the woman was kind of teary-eyed. It wasn't, she went boo-hooing, but she was kind of teary-eyed. And it, and it must have invoked a lot of emotion into her, maybe again, seeing the struggles that her maybe her mother went through. Um, so I, you know, a song like that is powerful. And then, of course, now we, we do it a little bit different than Merle did it. You know, Merle had harmony above him where we do it. I do the lead and I do like a, what we call a high lead. Mm-hmm. And we try to draw a lot of emotion into the vocals. And, and you can tell it. You can tell it. You can read your audience and you can tell it. And you know what invokes emotion with them. Not that you're trying to play on that, but you know, if you're going to do a song like that, if you're going to take the chance on doing a song like that, you better pull it off. If not, just don't do it again. Um, so it works very well for us. People absolutely love the song. Yeah, you have to be able to deliver the song. Absolutely. Yes. Deep. And, you know, things that you've gone through, you know, same type of emotion, maybe a different circumstance, but mm-hmm. same type of emotion. And I think we've all been through an emotional roller coaster this mm-hmm. past year. Oh, yes, <laughs> yeah. Anne-Marie? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. What has COVID-19 taught you, if anything? You know, I uh, I tell you, you know, I can, you know, like everybody else, I think I can probably be pretty opinionated, which can be a good thing. <laughs> it can also be a bad thing uh, if you stick your guns and you don't come off of it, uh, I guess. But I think it probably what it taught me was to be a little more compassionate, uh, you know, to everybody's views. Um, Because people view this differently. Um, And I understand I understood that the more we got involved in it, you know, I'm not. uh, If somebody wants to get the vaccine, I I, I say, you know, more power to you. I think you have every right to do it. Now, if somebody says, well, I'm not going to get the vaccine. I just don't think it's a good idea. Well, I may agree. I may disagree. But I'm going to be compassionate. I want to try to find out why they're saying that. Right. Um, uh, far as the mask goes, you know, some people are opposed to it. Some people think you still need to be wearing one. But look, I don't want really to call anybody out for one side or the other and judge them by saying, you know, you're wrong. But I just want to say, look, I, I understand where you're coming from. I, I do understand. I want to try to understand and be compassionate. I'm, maybe you had a loved one that died all of a sudden because of it, because they went someplace. They thought that they were OK and they Three days later, they were dead. I mean, so I, I want to be more compassionate. Um, I want to carry that over past COVID, you know, post COVID, if you will, and just try to be more understanding. You know, we, we come from all different kinds of backgrounds in our country. And that's the great thing about our country, I guess. And just be more compassionate, I guess. Definitely. So it sounds like that's what you learned through COVID. Just to, mm-hmm. not, you probably were already a compassionate person. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
But maybe COVID-19 has, you know, kind of helped you tap into, you know, being more compassionate. I think mm -hmm. it's done that for everyone. Yeah. You know, I, I hope it has. Yeah. This country needed that. I think uh, I certainly hope it did. Yeah, absolutely. Completely. Well, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, hopefully we're on the tail end of this thing, mm -hmm. you know, I, you know. God willing and everything, you know. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. Because my wife and I, we were in Nashville. Uh, of course, we live in Nashville, but we went downtown um, last Saturday. Oh my gosh! If you shook a stick, you would hit 150 people. <laughs> they were everywhere, which you know, which is great. That's that is Nashville. Um, Nashville is a is a town that everybody is out in it. If you went to Chicago, which I love Chicago, or if you went to another metropolitan area, mm -hmm. it's probably not like that. And Nashville is like that. People are out. They're going from they're going to the Redneck Ruby area area mm -hmm. to uh, Florida Georgia Line or uh, Miranda's Bar, and they're right. they're out everywhere. They're on scooters everywhere. <laughs> so, <laughs> but it's just great to see everybody out. It's just right. wonderful to see it. Oh, and, you know, Nashville's so resilient. I mean, before COVID, I mean, oh, golly, you know, all the things that happened. There was, um, well, it was that big um, hurricane or tornado yeah. that wiped out yes. Nashville, right? Mm -hmm. That area uh -huh. yeah. there? Mm -hmm. And no, I shouldn't say wiped it out, but, you know, it was impactful, mm -hmm. I should right. say. Yeah, yeah the um, east side of Nashville. Yeah, my son lives over near there. Mm -hmm. So that that was pretty bad. Now, I'm wondering, you know, we're talking about COVID-19, but um, if you think back, is there anything that, you know, kind of comes to mind if I were to ask, you know, what was the toughest, you know, thing that you've been through? And um, the reason I ask this, I just want to preface, um, is because, you know, we hear a lot of stories from our listeners. You know, um, music is the great healer. You know, it really mm -hmm. is. And a mm -hmm. lot of really kind of dial into music when they're going through something and they always like to hear that you know of someone they enjoy you know some someone whose music they enjoy um you know also maybe you know went through one or two things and they might be able to relate to that gives mm -hmm. them comfort yeah you know i, I wrote uh, a song that's on the project it's the last song on the project but it's but it was actually our first number one song you normally don't open up a project with a gospel song that's not normal what you do however um we the the reason that it came out first is because we were working on the project but we're not finished with it we weren't, we weren't even half finished with it and then all of a sudden COVID hit and I didn't have the song written yet. It's called God's still in control. And um, so when, when when we were eating dinner one night and we heard the president say that they were going to shut the country down. Well, my gosh, I've never heard yeah. any president say, but we're going to shut the country down. What did that mean? Right. And nobody really knew the full extent. And they were talking about maybe for a few weeks. Well, I think we all knew deep down inside this was not going to last a few weeks. This, this may last for a long time. And so I think the president just trying to be optimistic, you know, not alarm the country. However, I knew what was in store. So the next day, all the festivals canceled. Uh, and then all of the performing arts centers canceled. All the fairs canceled. 
then I heard several of these big bands, huge bands, but, but they have like 100 employees in them. They were furloughed the next day. So I knew that we were in for a long haul, and I knew there were a lot of people in the music business, but not just music, but also the vendors of music, the people who make guitar strings, the people who make T-shirts, the people who sell concessions at these events. These are not wealthy, wealthy people. These are people who, who live paycheck to paycheck, most of them. And I knew financially they were going to be impacted. And so I was just burdened by that. And so I sat down, I went to my bedroom, and I just sat down. I was just kind of broken because I, I knew there was going to be a lot of hurting people. And after um, I heard the president say, you know, the world's going to change for a little while. And Lord, he, I don't think he knew what he meant when, when he said that, because it changed for a lot of people. So the opening line of the song says, I know the world's different than what it was yesterday. And what you thought was certain has now gone away. And, and the rest of it took me 15 minutes to write it. That song has been on the charts for 56 weeks now. Still on the charts. It's number one for seven weeks on the Roots Music Report that comes out. Seven straight weeks. Not, not in the gospel field, in all of bluegrass and traditional music. It was a huge song for us. And, uh, but, but again, that was a tough time. for not, not for me financially. It wasn't for me. We, my wife and I, we, we, did, we fared very, very well. We were very blessed. But a lot of people were not. And that that broke my heart. And, and to this day, they're still trying to scratch back. They'll make it. But that was a very difficult time for our nation, uh, for me to see a lot of people that I knew struggle. Because I've struggled like that before. I've, I've been down like that. So I, I, I can empathize with them. I know what they're going through. And so that's that was a that was a really hard lesson for me to learn. Uh, but there again, you turn something that something negative, turn it, try to turn it into a positive. Wow! Yeah, um, <laughs> consensus one hundred percent here. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Golly, yeah. I you know, can't. Um, and, and if, I, and if I could just add one thing about that song, "God's Still in Control," a shameless plug, if you will. Um, we had. Churches after churches, individual after individual, contact us on Facebook and said, listen, I want you to know my brother, my sister, my dad, my aunt, my great granddad, whoever it may be, they died of COVID or they died, but some were died of COVID. And I want you to know we played your song at their funeral. Um, that, that will humble you. That is that's beyond words, right? It, it's mm. just golly, it's just beyond words. My mm. goodness. I know the world's different. That it was yesterday What you thought was certain Has now gone away Oh, but listen, my brother One thing is not changed 
has always loved you Won't you call on his name Cause he knows when your joy Has turned to fear He knows when your laughter Has turned to tears He will not forsake you Give him your hand to hold No one knows for certain what tomorrow may hold, but I know you can't count on your silver or gold Oh, but listen my sister One thing is not changed God and His mercy Won't you call on His name Cause He knows when your joy turn to fear He knows when your laughter has turned to tears He will not forsake you Give Him your hand to hold And always remember God's still he will not forsake you, giving your hand a hope. favorite song on the album that again i know that's not a fair question because <laughs> you love them all or else they would not be on this project absolutely but you know there's always that that one song that has maybe um you know a backstory or something that makes it just a little more special okay well probably it yeah i, I can't pick one because i think uh it's um it kind of speaks for itself it's, it's called hello sunshine now, the flip side to God's civil control, we were a few months into COVID. And, you know, as you guys know, Nashville can get pretty uh, dreary uh, during the winter. Oh, yeah. And, oh, cold <laughs> and and just dreary. And this past winter, or the, the winter of, um, of early 2020 was dreary. And then we got into late March. And maybe early April, late March, but my wife and I had I had made us breakfast. I love to cook, so I had made us breakfast, and and it was a beautiful 
it wasn't spring yet, but it was absolutely beautiful outside. Sun was just blistering. It was still a little chilly outside, but I walked outside and I said, hello, sunshine. Mm. It's just so beautiful. But now where I got that phrase was from my uncle. My uncle growing up, he liked to drink a little bit. So he, uh, he, he would, he would say little quirky things every once in a while. Not that people who drink say quirky things, but he drank and he just said quirky things. <laughs> anyway, so, but he used that expression a lot in Florida. You know, mm-hmm. in my, I grew up in the building business. So with my dad and my uncle, which was my dad's brother, also worked with him. So we would be out maybe building a house. It was storm. And then five minutes later, it's sunshiny. Well, he would always say, hello, sunshine. That has always stuck with me. I never thought I'd write a song about it. And so, but that day back in March, late March of 2020, uh, I walked outside, hello, sunshine. It sure has been a long time. That's all I said. I come back in, set up my computer. I sit and type the whole thing out probably within a half hour. I had it all written out without, without ever picking up a guitar. And just wrote all the words. Hello, sunshine. It's been a long time since I've seen your smiling face. I, I've been waiting for the day you come around. It's really a love song, but it's like, you know, some people call their uh, girl, you know, sunshine. I call my granddaughter sunshine. Aww. So anyway, uh, it's probably my favorite. Uh, it turned out to be kind of a, a Bakersfield kind of feel to it. Uh, we had Trey Hensley playing guitar on it. And he just kind of, he just kind of set the mode. Uh, kept the mood, set the mood for the song with his kind of that that Don Rich Bakersfield kind of guitar playing that he was doing on it. So it's probably my favorite song on, on the project. Well, let's go ahead and hear that song. Hello, sunshine. It's been a long time since I've seen your smiling face. I've been waiting for the day you come around. Goodbye, gray skies. Tired of tears in my eyes Since I found somebody new The skies never look so blue I'm gonna buy her a ring when I get to town I told my mama I told my papa All about her She's the one that I dream of When I get up And the last thing on my mind When I close my eyes Hello loving Ain't you something Never thought it'd be this good Never thought I would be this much in love Goodbye heartache Hope you have a good day Cause I found somebody new She told me to tell you Say with all your heart I've had enough I told my mama I told my papa All about her She's the one that I dream of
that's a great song. They're all good songs. I mean, that's one of the reasons why we want to meet with you all because I mean, it's just such a beautiful album to be honest. Yeah, it exactly. really, and that's saying a lot. I we hear a lot of music because we, you know, have to sit through a lot of stuff, you know, to mm-hmm. decide what's going to get played mm-hmm. or not. So, um, uh-huh. and it's funny we do report to the uh, chart that you, the Roots and uh, what is oh. it, the Roots, Roots music yeah, we, yep, yeah, we do report to that. We have three charts that we report to. Um, there's an independent country chart too. Um, I think it's called New uh, New Country, something like that. There's three. There's three. What, what I can tell you is we have promoters calling all the time. Oh, <laughs> and right. They, okay. Uh, yeah, they're kind. Of, yes, I yes, think yes. it's called New Country or something mm-hmm. like that. They're based out of Nashville. Moving forward, um, we do have a question that we ask everyone. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and, oh <no. laughs> I, you know, I don't, I, I don't want to say it's the most feared question, <laughs> but people often say it's the hardest question to answer. You're right. Um, so, but for some reason, this is one of those questions. That, um, but anyway, um, so go ahead. I'll, I'll let you ask. If you're on a deserted island, what five albums would you have to have, and why? Okay. Well, I'm, a, I'm a huge Liam Womack fan. Oh, of course. I love Liam Womack. Mm-hmm. Um, but her probably her very first album, Never Again Again album, had oh. Buckaroo on there. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, had oh god, just so many great songs oh, on yeah. it. Mm-hmm. That one probably Don Gibson's greatest hits uh, with Oh Lonesome Me, uh, Be a Legend of My Time, uh, Blue Blue Day, uh, just that one. Um, of course, Merle Haggard's greatest hits would probably be. On that, the Osborne brothers. You're um, cheating. You're cheating. <laughs> Please, God, you're cheating. Yep. Great kids. Uh, that's you're cheating. Be easy on him. Song <laughs> good fun. Yeah, just kidding. Go ahead. Well, okay. And then, of course, the Osborne brothers. You know, they. Mm. I grew up listening to the Osborne brothers probably um, probably more than I did anybody at first. Mm. They were probably the very first country bluegrass band probably uh, to a bluegrass band that took their music to a country level and, and were successful. They may be the only one. Now, Nitty Gritty Dirt Band kind of mm. did that. However, they were, they were different. Yeah. But, I don't, I never as really saw them as bluegrass. Um, the Nitty Gritty well, Dirt Band. Yeah, they they were they were real rootsy, uh, and I, I say that just very loosely. I'm just saying that just anybody that would even come close to it, Bob and Sonny Osborne did it. Yeah, um, and I can't think of any really anybody else. But they took bluegrass to country, and of course they were the duo of the year in 1972, I think, mm-hmm. from CMA. Sure. And uh, matter of fact, they didn't even think they were going to win it. So they didn't even show up that night for the awards. Oh, wow. Tony Austin was at a softball game of all places. <laughs> oh <laughs> so anyway, so, uh, but, and they toured with Merle Haggard, by the way, for a couple of years. It, it, anyway, but, um, um, but the Austin brothers were a major influence on us, but, but more of their countryside instead of bluegrass. Now they were a great bluegrass band. They were. But more of their countryside, I was probably more influenced by them. R- Roger Miller would be one. Okay. Roger Miller. If if I had to add one more, I would probably say Vern Gonston. 
Um, I mean, the voice. I mean, and I was a big George Jones fan. However, um, I probably prefer Vern Gossin probably over uh, Jones. And, and not that Jones did not send a lot of emotion. He did. But, ma'am, you hear chisel and stone. And oh. I know you have, you know, he stopped loving her today. I understand that. Mm-hmm. That's a central country song. But I just like Vern Gossin's, uh, he, he had a. His delivery. His delivery. Oh, my yes. God. Yes. Like when he wrote, uh, today my world slipped away. Oh, yeah. I, I, I cry every time I hear it. I just, you know, I, I'm a big baby, I guess. I can just start crying. Great job in those shadow mm. harmonies too, Jane. Yes, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely great. No, my my favorite Vern song. Well, Chiseled in Stone is just that's untouchable mm. as far as mm. I'm concerned. But if you're gonna do me wrong, do me right. Yeah. Right? Oh my gosh. What yeah, you know, and I love this early stuff. It's very very early stuff he had, and he kind of went away. And he came back writing a lot of his stuff mm-hmm. um, with Max D. Barnes and people like that. Um, but yeah, it, 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 he was one of the people that I thought, you know what? I believe what he's saying. Yeah. He's singing a song I believe. I actually believe what he's saying. Yes. I, I can agree with you more, right? Yeah, it's just, exactly. oh my God. Yep. And when you said early Vern Gosden, I thought you were going to say, um, you know, the Gosden brothers, because they were doing bluegrass back in California. So oh, here's an interesting tidbit. The song on there called, Rollo Muddy River that's mm-hmm. on that project. Rex and Vern Gossin wrote that. We mm-hmm. got it from them. They, they had a group called the Hillman, which uh, 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 the Hillman guy from uh, Desert, uh, Chris Desert Hillman. Coast. Chris Hillman, yeah. Chris Hillman. It's Chris Hillman's band, I guess. But yep. Vern Gossin and Rex Gossin sang in that band with Chris. And Rex and Vern wrote that song, Rollo Muddy River, which is on our project. Oh, wow. That's mm-hmm. amazing. Yeah, I did not know that. But yeah, they did a lot of bluegrass early on he, when he mm-hmm. was uh, playing with his brother and stuff. You know, mm-hmm. I had some of those because oh, that's amazing. Well, we've had such a blast getting to know you and oh, um, just you. The music again. It's just so good. And we're going to continue, you know, spending, you know, as many cuts as we possibly can. And we're really looking forward to see what happens with your band in the future. I just, I think you're doing something that's very, um, very unique and that's Definitely. much needed, you know, mm-hmm. right now, you know, in terms of bridging the gap, you know, between traditional country music and bluegrass. And, um, you, you know, it's just sounds very fresh and contemporary. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's so important right now. And I think you're really turning a lot of people on, to, you know, just solid, you know, well-crafted songs and music that, you know, think that, you know, those are things that are, you know, gone the way of the dodo bird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. I just think there's probably, there's probably a lot more of us like us out there. Um, I think the commercial side of the industry has kind of, and I, I don't say this in a bitter way, I don't, I don't say that in, in that vein, but I think just has taken over thinking that, look, we know, so we have to really commercialize it. And I just think there's probably a lot more people out there like us um, than maybe the other side. But there again, I'm not opposed to, there again, the music evolving into something else. You know, uh, you know, you know, some of that stuff I may not particularly like, but 
but but I got to know, look, you know, in my generation, we had our chance and and we, we love we got to play music, music that we wanted to play. Now, a younger generation has come along and that that may be what they prefer. You got to respect that. Now, that does not mean that 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 we have to go and crawl in a hole someplace that it doesn't mean that. We just have to find different avenues like like this podcast here, just different ways to get our message out. And that's OK. That's just what great t- technology will do for you. Yeah, that's absolutely correct. And that's a great, healthy attitude to have, too. You know, it's about being more creative on how you, you know, uh, distribute your message, you know, mm-hmm. and of course, your message is through your music and everything. And it's great that technology has enabled you know, a lot of independent artists and even, you know, artists that are in more niche uh, labels, you know, like yourself, you know, to put their music out there and their messaging, you know, so you really don't need, you know, a gazillion dollars for marketing anymore, you know, because you have right. a grassroots effort uh, that are really passionate about the music. And that's really right. what it comes down to. When someone is passionate about your music, they're going to spread the word around, you know, and mm-hmm. that's you know, absolutely what we try to do. So we'd like to give the fans an opportunity to connect with Merle Monroe. Can you share what your handles are across social media, like Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and everything else? Well, Merle Monroe Band, we're all over Facebook, Merle Monroe Band. And then our website is MerleMonroeBand.com. But we're on Instagram, we're on Twitter, we're on pretty much all of our music is streamed through Apple, uh, Amazon, I, uh, Apple, uh, uh, iTunes, or <laughs> Napster, whatever, whatever may be out there. We have on all the streaming formats, um, and that's that's huge because um, uh, there's so many people that stream music completely different now, different oh yeah things, if you will. So we're on all of those streaming platforms, and um, so they can find us there, or they can look up our tour dates and everything on our, our website, MerleMonroeBand.com. And, and our contact information, too, like for bookings, they can also contact us. We have a lady out in uh, East Tennessee, Sherry Clark Agency, that does all of our bookings for us. I mean, we have a we have a full onslaught of uh, handlers, if you will. We don't try to do things on our own. I don't book for us. I don't drive a bus for us. We have a bus driver. We have right. you probably don't want to ride with me anyway, but but we have uh, but we have you know booking agents. We have publicists. We have but bus drivers and things like that. And so it's, it's a major operation what we have. Of course. Yeah, absolutely. And you need all those things to get the word out. You know, you that's absolutely the case. Well, we close up the show with you, either your all-time favorite song or acoustic song played by you. Your choice. Oh, okay. Uh, well, uh, okay. So let me pick something a little bit different. Let me go back to Merle Haggard. Um, we do this live and in this, what have you got planned tonight, Diana? That's Ooh. probably about wow. just one dog nabbit song ever. If I had to pick one out of a hat someplace, it's probably that one. Um, uh, what have why? you got planned tonight, Diana? Why can you tell me why? Yeah, there again, it, it's um. You know, the song was written actually by a gentleman, and, I, and I'm trying to think of some some other song. He didn't write very many hits, but he wrote about three or four big hits, and then that was it. Kind of went away. But he wrote this song, and the way that Haggard kicked the song off, I never I was watching that good old country music back when I was a kid. 
And he starts that song out by saying, you know, me and Diana started out in uh, Alaska. Uh, the government was giving away land and it kind of starts off verbally. And then the guitar comes in. Roy Nichols comes in with the guitar. And then he starts singing. And I was just captured by just the whole presentation of the song. And to me, again, it's just a beautiful love story. You know, it's about love. It's about it's about their children growing up. And then it's about her dying. Then it's about him dying. He's going to see her again. And it's just, I, I would I would submit to you, if you ask every country, diehard country singer, I would, I would almost guarantee you that song is probably their favorite too. Great. Mm -hmm. So we'll, yeah. we're going to go ahead and hear that song. Thank you so much for your time today. We really enjoyed getting to know you, you better, uh, getting to know, you know, the uh, stories behind Merle Monroe. Such an amazing concept. Yeah. You know? yeah, thank and you. The music is just so top notch. And we just can't wait to hear everything that's going to happen with your band. I mean, mm -hmm. I just think that you guys are going to uh, not not only introduce a, a brand new generation to amazing music, but you're also going to uh, kind of blaze a trail for others, you know, to do the same. Definitely. Well, thank you. Uh, we we we're, we feel very fortunate where we are. And um, it just takes good people like you guys to, to put us on and give us a chance to let your listeners hear. So we appreciate you so much. Thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule. Thank you. Thank you, guys. God All bless right. you. Yes. God, God bless, bless you. Take you care. I remember it all started in 1929 when me and Diana came to Alaska to homestead some of this free government land. Forty miles from the nearest gravel road We cut our life in the ponderosa pines We sweated hard to beat the winter snow but the cabin's up and we got lots of time What have you got planned tonight, Diana? Would you consider lying in my arms? I love you more than ever now, Diana I'm sure you're the reason I was born Jim was born the first year we were here Look at him, my God, he's almost grown The baby's in the cradle fast asleep just thinking no time he'll be up and gone What have you got planned tonight, Diana? Would you consider lying in my arms? I love you more than ever now, Diana I'm sure you're the reason I was born. 
time sure does fly, doesn't it, Dinah? It's been almost two years now since, since you've been gone. Speaking of time, I guess you know that uh, mine's about up. I'm going to see you tonight. Just another breath or two and I'll be home. By the way, what have you got planned tonight, Diana? Would you consider lying in my arms? I love you more than ever now, Diana. I'm sure you're the reason. On the Brink, 2021.